0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's
1: going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to
2: whoop their Have you got drama yet?
1: Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, third Saturday in October time. Actually, technically, we're recording this on the third Thursday in October time. It'll be released on the third Friday in October time. But by the time this game is played, it will be actually the third Saturday in October time whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, which as, as the crow flies, is probably less than, than two miles. I know as you drive, it's 1.9 miles away from Needland Stadium, where 3.30 p.m. Eastern, the Vols will host Alabama, the sixth-ranked Vols, and the third-ranked Tide at Neyland Stadium, which I'm sure will be a madhouse with ESPN. There's a college game day there with SEC Nation there with Marty and McGee there. I don't know, Sly and the Family Stone, you know, Woodstock. Everything is going to be there. Everything is going to be there. Whatever the kids are listening to these days, it's going to be there. Everything is going to be on campus. It is going to be a weekend uh, that, that will be fun. It will be fun. Now, the, as for the game itself, not sure. We'll see how that goes. I think the man we're about to talk to will have something to say about that too. what he thinks. So lots to discuss, and we will get right to it. We'll go on down to the Yellow the yellow Hammer State, I think. The Yellow Hammer State. I think I've got that right. We're going to go talk to our good friend Travis Ryer from Bama Online, one of uh, my favorite people in our company, one of the most knowledgeable, one of the most fun to be around, and dare I say, one of the most handsome, Travis. How you doing, man?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad this is only audio only, uh, Wes. That way we can't dispute that that final <laughs> comment there.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we you, y'all can go see it for yourself because we've been on the the network like I think a hundred times. Crazy this week. It's, we, it's just been yeah. one of those. But that's what happens when number three plays number six. It's kind of a a game that you know. It, it's funny because we were. We were getting ready to record one of our, you know, forty-seven TV things this week, and I think, you know, everybody was people were asking it's just the the producers and everything. Y'all looking forward to it? And Travis was like, ah, just another week in the SEC because for <laughs> Bama it kind of is. Uh, but but you know, I know it's a big game, but these guys are used to this, right? I mean, they're they're they're, they're it's just another week, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know what we've done this week you and I, I mean, you kind of feel like my work husband or wife kind at this of, point. Yes, I'm, not, what it's been. I'm not sure what, I mean, we spent a lot of time together this week, but no, I mean, it's been that way the past two weeks I and mean, the lead up to Arkansas was, you know, pretty anticipated. And then certainly last week with Jimbo and Nick and A M, uh, it was a big deal, but I think it's even heightened more though this week. I think when you talk about games of the year in the SEC uh, to this point, this is it. This is what last week was supposed to be right this is what alabama yeah. AM and m was supposed to be and instead it's alabama tennessee
1: yeah we would not have expected that and I, i've said this many times if you had told me that first spring that josh heupel was at tennessee when he famously or infamously whichever you want to say it had had a long snapper getting reps at linebacker and had walk-ons all over the place and had no depth anywhere if you had told me that that team would be decent his first year and would look at least pretty darn good his second year, I'd have been like, I don't know if i buy that. I'm not buying that. It, I, there, there's too much work to do, even with the portal. Don't see it happening. Uh, but then he comes around, sprinkles his magic offensive dust on this thing, and and now Tennessee is suddenly a problem for people. It, I would not have expected it to be like this. And I imagine, Travis, that, that on some level, the way Alabama's season gone has also been a surprise, not in the best way, but still on track. I, I, I'm trying to – you would obviously have a much better idea than I would. From the outside looking in, it looks like, okay, at some point they're going to flip a switch. I don't know when, but at some point they're going to do it. Um, but they've flirted with disaster a couple times and still kind of working on it. What's it been like to cover the thing?
2: Yeah, I- it has been you're right it's been a two-quarter football team it seems like at this point we have yet to see them play uh the four full quarters Uh, i think that's it's kind of a glass half full and glass half empty look at it it can be you know it's still coming or you think it's still coming from this team they're too talented for that not to happen but um you know they've struggled to get there they've had inconsistencies in different areas of this team and Uh, At the end of the day, they've been fortunate in some ways to really escape without two losses to this point to the Texas team. So um, they still have some of that metal to them and some of that DNA that I think has helped them at some critical points in those kind of games. Uh, But they're going to have to find that next gear, that next level, uh, if they're going to get back to the doorstep, to the cusp of where they want to be from a year ago.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the interesting part is 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 that uh, going into the season, the talk, at least I, I, I'm I, I couldn't you would know better than I would what the talk is around Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, around the whole state of Alabama there. But I I, I thought what I, I heard a lot was that this could be one of the more talented teams that he's had, which is saying a lot. I mean, you bring back. Uh, a quarterback who won the Heisman Trophy. You bring back an, uh, a defensive edge player who I think probably should have won the Heisman Trophy last year. The guy who I think is the best player in college football. So right there, you're you're starting off pretty well, right? Um, and and then you just I know Saban hates this this phrase, but you know they just keep kind of keep crapping out five stars, and so people keep thinking, oh, they're fine. They got a couple holes to plug. They'll just plug them and and they'll be good. But watching them, you know, it, it's it's. We know Bryce Young in that situation. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, We know that on the line of scrimmage, maybe not quite as great as they would like so far, inconsistent. When I look at their cornerbacks, they don't seem to be playing at quite the level you're used to seeing from Alabama corners. And Anderson's doing his thing. Jameer Gibbs is doing his thing. Um, But it just seems like it's not not there. And and I wonder, it's halfway through the season, at what point Saban starts to think, when is this team going to figure it out?
2: Yeah, the sum of all the parts to this point hasn't been greater than some of the pieces, I guess you could say. Uh, you see some of those pieces that you outlined right there with Will Anderson and Jameer Gibbs. And, you know, they were a little hit and miss in the portal. You know, last year they they hit big with Jamison Williams. They went back there this year. Jermaine Burton comes in at wide receiver from Georgia. He's been okay. He hasn't been prolific by any means. He did have a touchdown catch last week against Texas A&M. Gibbs has been an absolute hit. Yes. Um, I would say Tyler Steen at left tackle coming in from Vanderbilt has certainly been a hit. Uh, but they were counting on a guy like Tyler Harrell to come in from Louisville and give them a lot of what they got from Jamison Williams last year on the outside. He's had an injury. That hasn't happened as of yet. You talk about the cornerback positions. I think we're seeing growth from Terry and Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry. But I think most people figured Eli Ricks coming in from LSU would be one of those two guys. That hasn't happened. So it's been a little bit hit and miss. Um, And so I think, too, intangibly, we heard Nick talk so much in the offseason and into the preseason and into the season about how he liked this team from an intangibles perspective. He was all in on this team. He thought they had, and he still does. He still thinks they've got that sort of stuff um, when it comes to accountability and leadership and all those things, Uh, but it hasn't really shown up on a week-to-week basis. And so, again, um, to this point, they've kind of gotten by on who they are as much as what they've done, and you know they're gonna again, they're gonna need to be more than that, perhaps as early as as this Saturday.
1: I suppose if it's any consolation just about everyone but maybe Ohio State has been that way this year Georgia just was really fortunate to get out of Missouri with a win and a game that I think if if Mizzou's play calling had been just a little better that thing was there for the taking Um, and and so you've seen Clemson starting to play a little bit better but still kind of slugging out a little bit not really getting a ton of separation and maybe the ACC is a little better than we thought but still it's not the same Uh, so you look around the country and you see a lot of this stuff so I think maybe it's just something in the water this year I still think there are four or five teams that have collectively more talent than the rest um, but maybe that gap isn't as wide as we thought it was I don't know if that means other teams are playing better I don't know if that means these other teams just haven't hit it yet? I mean, do you think it's more of the latter or what, which, cause, cause it's not just happening in Tuscaloosa, it's happening in Athens and other places.
2: No, I I think just about every team out there still has their, their kryptonite, you know, Um, Alabama, Georgia, um, Georgia offensively can still go through some stretches West where they're not especially dynamic, Mm -hmm. even in the first half and into the third quarter against Auburn last week, we saw some of that Mm -hmm. Um, Ohio state, it's hard to gauge. As you said, it's really hard for me and I don't want to get into big 10 or ACC bashing unless you want to, then I'm down. Um, (laughs)
1: it just depends on my mood that day. I think Ohio state's (laughs) usually pretty good, but other, but I can't,
2: it's hard for me to hold those teams up to teams like Georgia and Alabama based on the leagues that they're in. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really tough from that perspective too, when you start trying to go outside the league and, we get such a tunnel vision and live in such a vacuum because of this monster that is the sec, um, that honestly, I don't spend a lot of time uh, watching some of those teams, but no, I, I I still think Alabama has what it takes to be the team there at the end. Obviously a lot of that depends on, as we've seen Bryce Young's health. Um, but I I'd say too defensively, you know, uh, some of the Alabama fans have given me some grief this week because I didn't think the performance against a was, was superior at all. Um, I understand you had the minus three and turnover margin, but if you're going to talk to me about an Alabama defense for all time in the first half of that game last week, yeah. you keep a and to field goals with Haynes King at quarterback. They may go get 25, 30 yards and kick a red zone field goal but they don't go down and get in the end zone. Now in the second half, Alabama did that defensively, but I don't even view this defense, which brought back all this production and all this star power right now, at least going into this game, they're the best part of probably this Alabama team, but they're not an Alabama defense for all time to this point. Yeah. And that's
1: what I'm wondering, what I'm wondering about is, is, and I'll ask about some of the health stuff in, in, you know in, in the second segment, but for, for now, before we go to break here in a little bit, I, 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 I'm trying to get the gauge of what the mood is like down in that part of the country going into this game because I still, you know, I, I know a bunch of people down there and, and normally it's like, nah, well, it's the third Saturday in October, so you respect it, but this isn't, this just, this shouldn't be a game. And, and And that's the mindset and I think, well, yeah, for the past dozen or so years, mostly hasn't been, so I get why that would be the attitude a little bit more split this year. You still got people who I still think just don't want to think about maybe this being a closer game. Um, And then you got people like, I'm really concerned about potentially losing this game. And I have not heard anything like that from even 2% of the people down there in a long time. And it feels like it's a little bit different right now. What what kind of sense do you get, obviously, as someone who sees more of it?
2: Yeah, I mean, my interaction probably like yours on the message boards, I I think there is legitimate concern. I think there's also still that faction of the fan base that with Saban at the helm, they're going to have to see Alabama lose one of these before they'll say or even begin to even think it's possible. There'll still be, if Tennessee wins this Saturday, there'll be a faction of the fan base that's like stunned that it actually happened. There's also, I think, more of the fan base that goes into this game with legitimate concerns, starting at the quarterback position, but then also knowing, as we've talked about, this team to this point, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to put four quarters together. And so, you know, when you're not able to do that and you're going on the road where Alabama, the last season and a half of road games, hasn't been its dominant self, it has fought tooth and nail to get out of some places like Auburn and Austin and uh, Gainesville with the slimmest of margin wins. And so I think there's a little anxiety about that for some Alabama fans too. And, you know, I I do still think there are plenty of Alabama fans not to be, not that they're exceedingly cocky, but confident still again with Nick Saban. They're going to have to see this streak come to an end before they really begin to feel like, well, Tennessee's back to being a true threat.
1: Yeah, because the timing of everything when Saban arrived really just – Tennessee put itself in in a hole. There's no question about that. You have three coaches in three years. You let the the former years kind of erode, and then you you get the hire. Whether you get it right or wrong, in hindsight, you definitely get it wrong because you have to make another hire a year later. And then while Alabama gets going under Saban, while Georgia starts to figure some things out and gets to another level – Tennessee, at that exact moment, started to go downhill. And, and it's like when Saban got there, it, it, I, I, they've got to be connected in some way because that Tennessee every year, going into every season, having to play Alabama as the only team from the East that has to play Bama every year. I saw a stat on 538 this week that kind of blew my mind, that ever since, I guess, Saban came into the league – Tennessee's strength of schedule in SEC play is like fourth or fifth in the league. No other team in the East is above ninth, and 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 that that's just—it's like going into every single season knowing that you've got like one loss, almost automatic. It just to the psyche, it just damages things, and Mm -hmm. and it's it's
2: legitimately playing uphill.
1: Yeah, it's legitimately a problem for Tennessee, and now this year. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying you reverse that because Tennessee's got a lot to prove, but this would be a year where Tennessee's maybe the team from the East other than Georgia that you most don't want to play.
2: Yeah, and I think Alabama fans probably actually enjoy the fact that they don't have to hear it from other fan bases that they've got it so easy with the East crossovers, you know, yep. um, because they already played Bandy yep. at home. Mm-hmm. And then if it was Tennessee from previous years, be, look at this. You get Vandy and Tennessee again. Yep. Well, you don't hear that this time around. So I think uh, there's actually a side of this that, that Alabama fans are, are not too upset about getting some relief from that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to go out there and, and play. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just to me what's interesting before, before we go to break here is that every – it seems like most of these – even these title years for Bama, there's more often than not a bump along the, the way – and part of me, I can't figure out whether they've already had that bump and they just didn't lose the game or whether they're still gonna get that one bump and then it starts to turn things. I can't I can't figure that out and I don't think we can know that yet because the games haven't been played, but it's just interesting. Like I get the sense from a lot of Tennessee fans, I've I've not sensed this much. It's definitely not like an expectation of a win, but it's a very real possibility of a win in their minds. And I yeah. just wonder what that's going to make the stadium and the environment feel like because the last few, few times Alabama's come up, it's loud, people are excited, they're fired up, it's a hornet's nest from hell, and then Bam makes a couple plays and everybody's like, "crap, here, here it goes again," and then it's like the air comes out of the balloon. You hear the the the, the good amount of crimson that travels, and they start having fun. And I, I I just wonder how that how that dynamic will go this year. But there's a lot more. Uh, to discuss about this game specifically a couple of matchups that are important specifically uh, some health situations from both teams and a potential disciplinary situation for tennessee Uh, there's a lot of questions that i don't know we'll have answers to but we'll discuss them anyway after we take a quick break and come right back here on the GoVols 24 7 podcast hashtag ad
0: ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential
1: Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break, and I don't know who they are this time, so uh, I'm sure they're great products and services. I'm sure they're the best, uh, unless they're not, in which case I still couldn't say they're not, but uh, regardless, welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, our good friend Travis Fryer from Bama Online coming to us from down south of the 35th Parallel. Uh, the, the, the the tide will be coming up north here uh, very, very soon, and the sixth-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide will play the third-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Got lots to discuss about this game, and we'll get right back to that. After a quick suggestion from our end or quick request from our end, guys, if you could take about a minute out of your day, let's say 60, 75, 90 seconds tops, go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We sure would appreciate it. If you're just listening on the website, that's fine. We love you. Like Ron Swanson with alcohol, there's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do it for free, and we're happy to do it. Very few complaints from our end. I'd like to say no complaints, but, you know, sometimes you just got to complain a little bit. But very few complaints from our end. Uh, but since we're doing this for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and subscribe and rate and review and tell your friends tell people you see at church, tell people you see at the golf course, tell people you see walking your dog, tell people you see around town, tell your neighbors. And if you don't have any friends, just find somebody wearing orange and say, My life is sad. I don't have any friends, but you're wearing orange. I like wearing orange. I think you should listen to the Go 24 7 podcast. If you're already doing all those things, thank you and we love you. If not, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Back to business. Bryce Young, as we are recording this, which is obviously not uh, on Friday night, it's not on Saturday morning, and the way injury reports go, this is just how life is, Um, but I think there's actually some genuine, there's some genuineness about it this week, because there are some questions, but as we're recording this, what's the latest you've heard on a reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young?
2: Well, it's been trending in a positive direction as far as Bryce being able to to return to the field. I think this week, uh, Wes, we'll see, you know, Nick throughout the week is, is talked about Bryce being more and more involved. And uh, if that continues, I'll be surprised if we don't see him on Saturday. And, you know, I had heard even as of Tuesday night, there was a really good sense about him playing this week. Uh, So barring setbacks or some other type of issue, uh, I'm kind of going on the expectation that we'll see him back in the lineup, but I also know that, you know, Jalen Milrow is going to have to stay ready and he's going to have to be good to go, uh, because this is a situation involving Bryce's throwing shoulder. So, yes. you know, there's a lot of different things to take into account when it involves that more so than maybe his, his non-dominant side shoulder.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what I was curious about. Cause I know they've got the bye week coming up and then the stretch run and, uh, usually, the at least with the way the West is trending right now, there's a tiny bit of wiggle room there if you want to look at the big picture. Because I, I, I think, and, and, and I, I'm sure Nick Saban cares about this too, that you know, this young man's got a future and this Tennessee defensive line has put a pretty good whack on every quarterback that it's played this season. I mean, Pitt, they, they knocked two of them basically out of the game. Um, and, and even the ones that have had some success against Tennessee, this Tennessee defensive line, Byron Young especially, puts a hurt on people and uh, I I wonder you know you're exposing that shoulder throwing shoulder every time you throw Uh, if you run out of the pocket how effective can you be do you have to slide if anyone's even near you you know I'm wondering and we we won't know this because like during the season we get zero practice access I believe it's the same way down there during the season so we really won't have any idea whether he can protect himself but that's got to be a big question right
2: I think that's the concern for Nick Saban, first and foremost, is you can draw it up perfectly. You can even execute it. But then the way Bryce plays, Bryce very much is a competitor. He is going to extend plays. He had 42 rushing yards in the game against Tennessee last year Mm -hmm. and a couple of rushing touchdowns. So that kind of illustrates not only how he plays, but how important in that area he can be. So um, they've been more running back dependent i would say even this year brian robinson was a really good back last year uh, now in the national football league but you know with that one-two punch of jameer gibbs and jace mcclellan and the offensive line has been playing at a higher and higher level it Mm -hmm. seems like every week uh they may not need bryce to expose himself as much but will he protect himself i think alabama schematically and in every other way will do everything they can to protect bryce young but can Bryce protect himself? And you're right. You got guys like Byron Young. Um, you got some other guys. Uh, Beasley's a good blitzer. Um, so there's the the potential for some some situations there. Um, and you know, it, it's first and foremost going to be to his offensive line. But uh, ultimately, he's got to use the judgment required to protect himself too. Yeah, and, and you
1: know, the the thing about it is, if if you can extend plays with your legs, you you give even more time for your receivers to get open. And I think anyone who has watched Tennessee this season can look at it and go, you know, that's a pretty good looking football team, except for on the back end of the defense. uh, There are some issues back there galore. You can, I mean, the the amount of space receivers can get against these guys other than Kamal had. And it's like, Whoa, Whoa, it, it, you know, and, and it, even last week when the coverage was a little bit better, Daniel still made a couple of really nice throws. I think you got to give him credit for that, but Still, uh, that's going to be something against Tennessee that you you would like to get those shots downfield, but can he stay within himself to do that? And throwing the ball, can it get down there with the zip it needs to to make those plays? A lot of fascinating angles for for me with that. But but with, with Tennessee's side, Cedric Tillman, as we're recording this, I think it's trending in a direction toward him not playing in this game. But... I don't know that specifically, as we're candidly, this is mid-Thursday afternoon, things could change. I know Tillman wants to play. Uh, I know that, that he he had the surgery because he wants to get back soon. I know he's a ridiculously hard worker, um, but Tennessee might have to protect him from himself a little bit. I, I You know, you got UT Martin next week, and then, you know, you got your stretch run, so I I don't know. Like, I, I could be wrong, and he could wake up Friday or Saturday and be like, guys, I feel great, but... It, to me, it's trending in a direction toward him not playing. And, of course, Ramel Keaton's a fine football player, but he's not Cedric Tillman. Uh, but Tennessee still has Brew McCoy, still has Jalen Hyatt, still has Squirrel White. I, the offense has been okay without Tillman. The interesting one to me is, is Jalen McCullough, who had the the incident everyone knows about. P- people have read the report I have a lot of questions from reading that incident report. I think Tennessee has a lot of questions after reading that incident report. That was a very unusual situation where a young man was actually minding his own business with his girlfriend at her apartment. Somebody, you know, drunkenly, allegedly drunkenly stumbles in, and then an incident starts occurring. So this is not like a cut and dried situation. So I know you see a felony charge and you go, whoa. Um, But I think they're trying to let that play out. Uh, Josh Heupel has not even said whether McCullough has practiced this week. So I, I don't know what the deal is there. We'll, hopefully, I keep asking people. No one wants to talk. We'll try to figure that out. Um, but if he doesn't play, there's a couple things there. Uh, if he doesn't play, Tennessee automatically becomes more athletic in the secondary. He's not out there for his athleticism. Uh, he's not the best player in space. His run angles or his pursuit angles, not great, but... Um, but he's really good at getting things lined up. He's really good at stopping runs right at him. Uh, he's a helpful player, but at times there's also a hindrance factor there. So I don't know what Tennessee will do there. That is interesting to me. But I think the the matchup that 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 it really, really interests me about this game, uh, Travis, and, and you could probably shed some light on this too. I know you know Ball as well as anyone – is I didn't even know until looking at some of the numbers this week how good Tennessee's offensive line has been. I knew they were good. I knew both guards were road graders and future pros, and I knew Cooper Mays, when he's healthy at center, he really makes them go with that tempo. And I know Darnell Wright's going to be an NFL player for a while, so I, I shouldn't be surprised at this. But the the national average for pass rushes is or for blitzes is 27% of drop-back passes. Tennessee's been blitzed 33% of the time, which is – comfortably more than average and yet Tennessee is second nationally in pressures allowed 16.1 percent of dropbacks have had pressures on them now Tennessee has not faced Will Anderson in this Alabama front seven but on the other side Travis I don't know that Alabama's faced an offense quite like Tennessee's either so when's the last time you you thought Alabama went into a game facing an offense like this one and and what do you think about that matchup up front
2: Yeah, they got a little bit of a look at the pace from Arkansas, but Arkansas doesn't work at the pace like Tennessee does. Now, Will had a pretty good game against Tennessee a year ago. had a couple sacks, so um, he's a problem for just about any offense. The thing I look at when I watch Tennessee is the ball comes out quick, typically, you know, there seems to be kind of a predetermination on a lot of plays. There's not these three or four progression type of field scans that that go on. It's quick game, get it out to the wide receivers outside the numbers, try to get a block, see if these Alabama corners can play with some physicality, get off blocks, maintain leverage, you know, can McKinstry and Arnold handle that part? I think that's first and foremost for Alabama in that matchup uh, is the quick game. And then, you know obviously taking the shots down the field and you know Tennessee's just gotten better and better and with that pace sometimes you get quick snap like Alabama did in Tuscaloosa a year ago uh, I think when Tillman hit him for the 70 yarder Josh Hobbs mm-hmm. looking at the sideline Tennessee snaps the ball and you know it's a it's a it's a huge play for the ball so uh, the pace creates a lot of issues i think the pace helps Tennessee even in terms of its protection, because they go so fast. You'll watch defenses a lot of time. They're just getting lined up as the ball's getting snapped. So they're not able to kind of get set in their looks or what they're bringing on their calls and the ball's in play, right? And so that disrupts some things defenses like to do. So it starts with the pace. Uh, but I know the vertical game is going to be very much in the spotlight this week with McKinstry and Arnold going against McCoy and um, – and, and Hyatt and those receivers and with or without Cedric Tillman, that's still going to be a big part of it. And, you know, that is a solid offensive line. I'm, I'm as interested though, uh, Wes, to see how if Tennessee can run the ball more effectively against this Alabama defense than it did a year ago, because if you can't and Alabama is able to kind of hang in against that quick game, then you put Hooker in a situation where he has to hold to the ball just a little bit longer And that helps guys like Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. And, you know, Alabama has this package this year with three outside linebackers on the field. They call it their cheetah look. And they like to get those three edge guys out there together in passing situations. Been a lot of talk about it uh, from the Alabama side of things this week. And my counter to all that is that's great that you got a cheetah package, but how are you going to get it on the field? Because Tennessee does not allow you to sub. It's a sub package. It's not a package that you go out there on first down to open a possession for Tennessee and say, hey, you 240-pound edge linebackers, we're going to have you all out there together in a four-man front and slow down the run game on first down. Nick Saban's not going to leave himself exposed to that on early downs. Alabama's going to have at least two defensive linemen and two outside linebackers. Last year, they had three defensive linemen in Will Anderson because they knew first and foremost, if you don't take care of Tennessee's run game, like LSU didn't last week, what's going to happen? You're going to end up getting the worst of both ends of that Tennessee offense. So, um, you know, just some of the the conflict, I guess you can say, uh, that this Tennessee offense can put even a defense like Alabama's in.
1: Yeah, and the simplicity of it, to me, is something that's, so fascinating because essentially they just spread the field as far as it can be stretched horizontally
2: like the cfl it is
1: basically i mean they've got stacked receivers like sit standing on the sideline and, and hooker's got the arm strength to get away with it and obviously joe milton does too when he's in there he's got a howitzer but they basically stretch it as far as they can horizontally they look at what you're doing in the box and then that determines what they're gonna do if you put an extra guy in the box, they're throwing it. If you don't, you know, if you back up and you've got too high and you've and you got, you know, maybe five, six in the box, they're running it. It's that simple, and it, I think sometimes with with prospects and or with NFL draft people, they would like to see Tennessee's offense be more complex, but it's never needed to be with Hypo because what they do works. Very few people stop it. I think last year, Georgia – which was a really good defense, was the only one that really just put a stop to it after a couple drives um, because they just go simplistically at you. Stretch the field horizontally, go at the fastest Mm -hmm. pace possible, look at what you're doing, there's the read, go do it. And they really do a good job of setting up plays. I know last year the 70-yarder with Tillman, that happened because um, because Job was looking and and didn't see the, the snap, and that happens sometimes. But also some of those plays where you go, how did Tennessee get someone that open it, it requires you to really watch the All-22 for like the 5 or 10 minutes before that because they've almost always been setting that up. They'll run the same play three or four times, spur your style. They'll get you in a rhythm, and then they'll just completely hit you with something opposite off that same look. And that's why you, you get Brew McCoy, who's not a 4-3 guy, getting 20 yards behind a defense because they, they just did not expect it to happen. And so that is interesting to me because what Tennessee does – It's about the best thing you can do to nullify some physical mismatches is put the game as far out in space as you can and then make people make plays. And if you do make plays, I know Kirk Herbstreit and others have said this for years, Tennessee runs that offense, maybe Baylor's is the most similar across college football. And if you don't beat the crap out of it up front, it's going to put 30-plus points on you because that's just what it's designed to do. So if Alabama can physically beat Tennessee up front relentlessly, Tennessee's going to have trouble. But if not, only Hooker having a bad day really prevents it from from being tough for for Alabama. So that's really interesting to me and I think Travis's point about the run game is a great one because, you know, Tennessee's I think 13th nationally in yards, you know, yards and points gained with the run game like efficiently. They, they don't get a lot of these 70-80 yard runs, but if they hit you with four or five, four or five, four or five, got to bring somebody up in the box, and there's, that's where the 60-yard passes come from. So, And then Hooker's directing it like the way a 24-year-old talented quarterback should. So that, to me, is interesting. Uh, I wonder what Tennessee, Travis, before we get out of here, will do against Jameer Gibbs because, mm-hmm. of course, Tennessee thought it for a while it was going to get Jameer Gibbs, and then as... Bama is want to do, came in, drank the milkshake, said, Hey, have you looked at the trophy case? Do you see this? Do you see these shiny things? Come get some of this. And he understandably is like, I would like some of this. And so he goes to Alabama, and now uh, he's a problem for Tennessee to deal with this week. And I know Wesley Walker, Tennessee's uh, guys in secondary, they played together at Tech. They know each other really well, obviously. Um, But what Tennessee does, Tennessee's defense in a phone booth is tremendous. They are they're they got enough size. They got enough bodies up front. They're going to keep you in front of them. When you get out in space, uh, they are hurting. And Bama is really good at getting Jameer Gibbs into space, and he's really good at getting it himself.
2: Yeah, we talked about this on a on another show earlier in the week. That absolutely with Robinson. They wanted to play. Alabama did more of the run game in a phone booth, and they did that. And they only averaged 4.1 yards per carry in the win over Tennessee last year. But Brian got his 100. He got three rushing touchdowns. Um, they were able to really just control the game in terms of time of possession and plays. That was huge. This isn't that run game. <laughs> um, you know, Nick Saban is like any coach, he wants it all. You know, Alabama has four runs of 70 yards or more in uh six games and he's complaining about consistency in the run game what he's saying is he loves the 70 yarders but you know what when we don't hit the 70 yarders let's get five or six every carry well that doesn't happen you know that doesn't happen for just about any team but no Gibbs definitely gives them that Jason McClellan gives it to them too and they've been really good on these sort of outside zone plays Wes where they get you stretched they get you moving and Gibbs is able to kind of pick his lane. And then when he hits it, it is so sudden that a lot of these, if not all of these inside linebackers in the SEC, they're just not able to get there and really cut it off like a bumper pool. Yeah, it's a really good college linebacker, right? He's just not going to cut that off in time to prevent it from going 20 plus yards. So you got to have your safeties understand too in a game like this. Look he's going to hit us for 20 at some point, maybe 25, 30. What he can't do is get us for 70. So your safeties have to come into play to make sure that he doesn't just turn it into an explosive play that ends in the end zone, but they like to throw it to him too. And you're right. I think, um, you know, there's a couple of areas of these teams where we're going to, they're going to get their picture taken, so to speak, you know, um, Tennessee's run defense. I know on paper has improved, Alabama thinks its corners are growing and getting better and making improvement. Well, these are areas that we're going to get some really documented proof about, I think, on Saturday afternoon. Travis, I've only got a couple
1: more questions, and I know you've been really gracious with your time, and I could talk football with you all day long. But we all have things to do, so we need to get to them. But i uh, got a couple questions. The first one, if, if there's an Alabama player out there that Tennessee fans don't know a lot about but they might know more about Saturday – who would that be? My suggestion, my thought was Branch because I I really really like him and everything that he does defensively, and I think he could make a play or two in this game. But what, what who who's someone on that list for you?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think Branch is undersold because of the presence of guys like Will Anderson, even Henry Toetoe, even Dallas Turner, even Jordan Battle at the safety position. So he's kind of literally in the middle of all that. And you don't hear enough about Brian Branch. He's just a tremendous all-around defensive player. You're going to see him at that star position Saturday. He can tackle. He can play in space. Uh, He's going to have to provide some man coverage in situations there in the slot. You'll see him against, I think, Jalen Hyatt um, a good bit in this game Uh, on Saturday. That'll be a great matchup to watch. And then, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, I think it's been interesting for them, the interior of the offensive line, because they played a couple of centers because of injury. Darian Dahlcourt's been out. It looks like he may be back this week. But Seth McLaughlin has been the center the last two games, and they've rushed for over 600 yards with him in the game. Mm -hmm. So they've got some nice depth. Tyler Booker, a true freshman. Keep your eye on the interior of that Alabama offensive line, because there's certainly some some moving pieces there as well.
1: And I guess the last thing I have, I normally like to ask for, for talk or, or predictions in the in, in these things. I think it's probably fair in, in in this exact circumstance, this specific circumstance, I think it's probably fair to have two predictions because I don't think we can pretend Alabama with Bryce and without Bryce is the same team. It's just it's very different. And so my thought was that if if, if Bryce plays and he's Anywhere close to himself, I like Alabama by about a score. If he is not playing or if he is not effective, if he is not anywhere near his best or he's on the sideline, I don't think Bama can score enough points to beat Tennessee. So I would have Tennessee winning that way. What What are your thoughts? I know Charlie Potter, your, your coworker, had Alabama winning basically a close game either way, but what do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I think that I'm probably more in line with your thought process on that, uh, especially immediately on the heels of the performance from Saturday night against Texas A&M for Milrow. Um, but there's also the third, the, the 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 fourth quarter, and really the way he played in general. I thought he played well at Arkansas uh, mm-hmm. in that relief of Bryce Young. So it's hard to make a real call even with him. But I, I think with Bryce, yeah, if Bryce is himself and. Uh, Able to do what we typically see him do, and play four quarters. Um, You know, Alabama should be able to to escape with a with a W. I I think it's a tight game, regardless. I I still think even with Jalen in there, they have a chance. But what we've seen with Bryce in the last couple of years is at Auburn, at Texas. You know, if they're down or it's tied or they need a score, it's sort of semi or even full desperation mode. He's a guy that can get them out of those kind of jams. We we have no way of knowing if Jalen Milrow can do that.
1: Yeah, but and we also know looking at things historically that if you want to beat a Nick Saban team, it's better to do it before he's seen you a lot. Uh, some of the, the 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 most marquee wins that have come against Saban teams have been coaching staffs and systems that he's not seen more than if he you know once or twice. Once he's seen you about three times it gets really damn hard to beat them. Um, but usually in the first couple times, hey, you can throw some surprises out there and, and get them. So, Travis, before we get out of here, let everyone know how they can get a hold of your stuff. I know there's probably some Bama fans listening on this feed. Uh, there might be seven or eight Alabama fans out in the world who don't know about Bama Online. So let those seven or eight people know how they can get there.
2: Thanks, Wes. Just go to BamaOnline.com or Alabama.247Sports.com. We'll have you covered from the Crimson Tide side of things. Awesome.
1: Thank you so much, Travis, and uh, be well, and uh, we will hopefully we'll see you soon.
2: Thanks, Wes. Appreciate it.
1: There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media i on Westrocker247 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown247 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash balls 24 7 and Facebook.com slash govals24/7 to get all of the stuff there, or most of the stuff there, we got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day, tons of stuff on there, all good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee, Smoky Mountain, Spring Water, right from the tap. Go directly to govalls 247com the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the checkerboard and the summit where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least. So you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And that's after a free trial. And that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount+, Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff brand new movies exclusive movies exclusive shows you get stuff from the vaults of uh, smithsonian nickelodeon mtv bet comedy central all of it and obviously everything cbs has ever done commercial free that's a 100 plus dollar annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing for nothing so we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year guys that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. A lot of people, their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you.
2: Where's Wes at? He already put my comments out there, so (laughs) he, he had direct quotes.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.